We're still looking at the judges of Israel. And we're getting close to the end. Uh, so far, we've studied Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Barak, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. And if you were counting, that's 13 people. Uh, but only 11 of them were actually judges, though. Uh, Barak was a helper to Deborah. Uh, so he wasn't a judge on his own, but he was uh, very usable and a great help uh, for Deborah. And we also looked at Abimelech for a week there, and we seen that he was a very negative impact on the work of the Lord during this time of judges here. Now, we're going to look at uh, a few different things tonight. One of the things that we'll look at is the Nazarite vow, uh, and we'll also look at the birth of Samson. But we're going to spend most of our time tonight studying Samson's parents. Uh, and we're going to see the impact that they had on the work that God desires to do through Samson. Uh, sometimes God is going to use us directly uh, in some type of work or service for him, and sometimes God is going to use us indirectly. God may allow us to just have a part of someone's life or an impact in someone else's life and do that in a way that they will go on to reach many people and do great works for God. Uh, this is what we will see with Samson's parents tonight. Uh, now, Samson's parents are not perfect. Uh, nobody's perfect. I think that they could have done better later on in Samson's life. Uh, but the passage that we're going to go over tonight, we're going to see that they did the right thing. Uh, it will show that they're making good decisions and will show them obeying the will of God. So we're going to look at the time leading up to Samson. If you're not already there, turn to Judges chapter 13 and we'll look at verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. Uh, you know, I knew that verse was in there. I read it a bunch of times this week. And it still kind of hurts reading that verse. Uh, time and time again, Israel does this. Uh, Israel goes back to doing wickedness and evil. Uh, so what happened this time? Israel has had a very rough time trying to stay close to God through the years. Uh, if I counted correctly, there was six times in this time of judges that Israel has been doing things right. They had a good relationship with God. They were following God. And they were doing things according to his plan and his way. And then they turn away from God. And they go and do wicked things and evil things and things of the world. Leading up to this time, Israel had Jephthah. We looked at him over the last few weeks, and he helped them defeat the Philistines and the Ammonites. Uh, unfortunately, we looked at the last couple uh, events in his life that were recorded for us, and Jephthah did not end his time as judge all that well. It wasn't necessarily a positive ending to his time of judging. Uh, there were a couple of negative things that happened towards the end there. And again, we looked at all that. Then we had three judges that we really don't know much about. Uh, we, we can make all kinds of assumptions about those three men and their time as uh, judge and what happened with Israel there. Uh, but we don't really know too much about them uh, or about the time that they were judges. Uh, but at some point along the way, Israel stopped caring about what God desires, and they stopped caring about pleasing God. 
and, and they stopped caring about being obedient to him. This causes the people of Israel to do whatever they want and whatever they think is good or right, even if in all reality it isn't good or right in God's eyes, but they do it anyways because they're just concerned about themselves. Uh, these are all the factors that lead up to Judges 13.1 where it says the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. However it happened, whatever influenced Israel here, uh, whatever it was, it caused Israel to turn away from God again. Uh, we need to be careful to not be so easily influenced away from the things of God. We need to protect ourselves from falling away from God and, and, and not being close to God anymore. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the best way to not end up like Israel, like in Judges 13.1 here, is to stay close to God and, and to value the things of God and stay as far away from the things of the world as you possibly can. To actually literally run away from the world and run to God. Uh, once again, we have Israel away from God and God removes his hand of protection and Israel's oppressed and they're punished uh, by their enemy. Uh, this is all what's going on before a Samson comes into the picture here. And unlike other judges, Samson comes into the picture actually as a baby. Uh, we're going to look at what was going on during the pregnancy. And as we do this, we'll see a little bit about Samson's parents. Uh, so we're going to look at Samson's parents now. Uh, judges chapter 13, look at verse 2. And there was a certain man of Zor, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Uh, Samson's mom couldn't have children. Uh, she, we see throughout the Bible that there's multiple occasions where a, a woman cannot have kids and God takes this woman that can't have children and performs a miracle in their life and then they're able to have a child because it's part of God's plan and God's blessing. Uh, this is what's going on for Samson's mother. She's barren and cannot have children. Now, for some ladies, this is a huge deal, uh, even today. But back in the Old Testament, it was always a huge deal for women. Uh, this is how families were able to grow and, and support themselves. And it was a really big deal to have a lot of kids back then. Uh, this was life-changing. And the whole community would treat a barren woman completely different back then. Uh, and many of these women would feel like they're a failure and probably feel like they're letting their husbands down. This is probably how Samson's mother felt before this angel came to her uh, and told her about having a child. And God sent this angel to her and told her that she's going to have a child. That would be great and life-changing news. Uh, Samson's mother is then giving very specific directions uh, look at verse 4. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now we all know that Samson had very specific rules to live by. We know that Samson uh, had a Nazarite vow uh, in his life. 
And we'll look at that a little later, but when was the last time we really considered the rules that Samson's mother had to follow? Uh, she was told specifically that she could not drink wine or strong drink, and she could not eat anything unclean. We see uh, in this verse, verse 4 there, um, and, and also we can see this in verse 14, if you look at verse 14, she may not eat anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing that all I commanded her, let her observe. Uh, so she's commanded not to do all of these things. She's told here that she cannot even eat anything that comes from the vine or is made out of anything that comes from the vine. Uh, God desired to use Samson and, and work through Samson. And for that to hap happen, Samson's parents, and specifically her, here his mother, had to follow God's plan for her life as well. Because we see here that parents' choices are very important and can be life-changing in a child's life. It can affect their child's uh, future and, and, and God using them there. Uh, what if Samson's mother decided that one day that she was hungry and wanted to eat something that was unclean? Uh, maybe she had a hard day. Maybe she uh, did something great that day and felt like she deserved some kind of reward and wanted to treat herself. Uh, one selfish act by a parent could change the entire future for their child. And in this case, for Samson and his mother, her choices could have affected the entire nation of Israel and their ability to be, de to be delivered from the Philistines by Samson. Samson's mother knew God's great plan for her son. Uh, verse 4 again, it ends with, And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Uh, sometimes... We don't know God's plan for our children. Actually, most of the time, we don't know God's plan for our children. Uh, but in this case, uh, his mother knew how he was going to be used. Um, but uh, we need to be careful of our influence over our children and even over other adults. Not just talking about children here, but applying this to uh, all of us in our interactions with others. Uh, we may make a selfish decision one day, and it may change everything for someone else, or, or for God's people, or for us here at the church. Uh, for Samson's mom, it was part of the Nazarite vow that she had to keep. Um, and think, she couldn't even cut her own boy's hair, you know. You couldn't do your first haircut and all that kind of stuff that parents like to do and post nowadays. Uh, she couldn't do the first haircut and post it on Instagram like all the other mothers, you know. Uh, but... Uh, maybe for us it's it's a different type of situation. Maybe for us it's the decision on whether or not we're going to go to church. Maybe it's a decision on whether or not we're going to be part of a ministry or some kind of work for God. Maybe our decision uh, that we choose, our selfish decision, causes a Christian brother or sister to stumble. And it causes them not to work or do something for the Lord because we cause them to stumble with our decisions. All of our decisions can change uh, everything in our own lives, uh, for also our family's lives, and it can change things for others as well, our church. And, and who knows how far the negative effects of our decisions can actually reach. Now, we can flip that, though, and not be so negative about it. We can think about right decisions and things that please God, and those decisions can have a positive effect on our own life and a positive effect on our family and a positive effect on our church, and it could possibly affect hundreds and thousands of people that we never even meet. Uh, Abraham uh, was one man, 
And through him, God was able to form an entire nation of millions of people. Uh, through one man, many things could be done if it's part of God's plan. Now, I think of uh, people in the past. I think of um, some pastors in the past that have, you know, started a church with with two people and it grew to thousands and and they've reached many people. Uh, when I was writing this, I also thought of my dad. My dad is just one man, but through him, thousands of kids have been able to ride the bus and go to that church there. And I thought it would be really cool. I thought about calling them and asking how far back they keep records and seeing how many kids. I just, it's got to be thousands of kids over the 30 or so years that he's been a part of a bus ministry and he's helped these kids have a way to get to church and to hear about Jesus and about the Bible. And hundreds and hundreds of kids have received Christ because he was willing to do what God had asked him to do. But who knows how far our reach can go? I mean, I was a bus kid once. The first time I went to that church up there, uh, I rode the bus there. And now I'm preaching. Who knows how far our reach can go? All of our decisions matter and will affect people. Uh, we are looking at the requirements of Samson's mother and her decision to keep those commitments. And, and I'm glad that I had parents that, that kept their commitments and made right decisions as well. Uh, they chose to take me to church when I was a kid. And, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really make it all that easy for them. There was weeks uh, where I didn't want to go, which was pretty much almost every week. And I would complain every single Sunday, like, oh, why can't I stay in bed or I'm tired. And, and if they said I didn't have to go to church, I'd have got up and started playing video games instantly. you know. So I wasn't really tired. I was making it up. I was complaining. Uh, I remember uh, weeks of crying in the, my dad had a truck at the time, crying in the truck all the way to church because I didn't want to go. That's how much I was trying to fight it. I didn't want to go. And, and my dad uh, and my parents, they, they put up with it. And, and they made the right decisions anyways. And, and I didn't make it easy for them, but my dad stayed constant and faithful and did the right things. Uh, my parents stayed strong and faithful to God and faithfully brought me to church. And I'll tell you, as much as I fought it back then to stay out of church, I would fight you just as hard to get into church nowadays. Uh, you can't keep me out of church anymore. Uh, so my parents played a, a, a huge role in that in teaching me faithfulness to church. Uh, Samson's mother had to follow some specific rules and she did as God was able to use her son because of her obedience. Uh, I think today that people would be pretty upset about this, really. I think people today would say that it's unfair. Uh, it's not right. Why should I have to follow these rules and everyone else can do whatever they want? It would be easy for his mother to become bitter, uh, to, to maybe even become jealous. Uh, we sometimes be in situations where everyone is around us doing something that maybe we want to do, but maybe uh, we, we chose not to do that for God. Uh, I think of maybe when we fast. Uh, fasting uh, is, is a good thing to do for God. It's a time when you dedicate yourself to God. And, and you could be there fasting and, and look over and someone's eating this delicious slice of pizza over here and you might want it. You know, you might become bitter. You might become jealous of it. 
I believe that this probably happened to Samson's mother. Sometime along the way during this pregnancy, uh, I'm sure there was times where she was with a group of people, maybe with her family, and they were drinking some delicious grape juice, ice-cold grape juice. And, and maybe they were all talking about how fresh and delicious it was. And she'd be sitting there knowing that it tastes good because she's had it before and probably desiring to taste that delicious, sweet grape juice. Uh, but she chose to just sit there and, and drink drink her water, and stay obedient to God. Uh, That decision she made in that hard time made it possible for her son to be used by God. We need to make sure that we're willing to make these right decisions, even when it might be hard. Even when no one else is looking, I'm sure that Samson's mom was home all alone at some point with some of these foods and drinks sitting all around her, and she could have taken a drink from one, and nobody else would have known except for her and God. Uh, We need to make sure that we are faithful to God and to his plan, even when it's hard or unpleasant, or even when we're all alone, or, or it'd be a secret to everybody else. Uh, even if it was going to cause us to have to sacrifice a little bit, even if we're the only ones doing it the way that God asked, if if everyone else was doing something uh, that God told you not to do, you have to have the resolve to stay the course and stay obedient to God's plan. This is how it was for Samson's mother. She had to stay obedient for her to stay in God's will, but also for her son to be able to be used by God. Next, I want to look at Samson's father. Uh, Look down at verse 8. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened unto the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again Unto the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? Uh, And we'll stop reading there. But Manoah was not there when the first time the angel appeared unto his wife. Uh, So the angel appeared to Manoah's wife and gave him all these directions. And Manoah wasn't there when that happened. It appears that the woman, uh, his mother, Samson's mother, believed all the things that the angel said the first time. And she goes and tells her husband all about it. And that's where we picked up reading there in verse 8. Manoah goes to God then and prays to him about this whole situation and asks him for some clarification. Uh, This is a sign of a man of God. Uh, This is the best thing any father could do. This is the best thing any parent could do. This is the best thing anyone in a position of leadership could do. Uh, Manoah finds out that something big is going to happen in his life. He finds out that he's going to have a new responsibility. And the first thing he does, he goes to God in prayer about it. Uh, Manoah shows us the importance of seeking God and his will for our lives. Uh, We need to do this in all things. Uh, Here we see a man going to God over a big matter. Uh, But we need to seek God and his will in the big things and the small things. 
Now, I worked for uh, Shears for uh, about seven years. And when I, I, I did all kinds of jobs there. When I started, they hired me uh, to work with potatoes, and I made kettle chips. And I didn't really like that. It was messy. It was disgusting. And potatoes smelled rotten. It was just horrible. And so I didn't like that job. And they asked me to go uh, work over with the tortilla chips. And I, I love tortilla chips. And I'm like, sure, that sounds delicious. I mean, great. And uh, so I went over there. And I did all kinds of jobs over on that side with the tortilla chips. Uh, but one of the jobs I did... Uh, was cooking corn to make the tortilla chips because when they get the corn in, uh, it would come in dry and raw. And it's not like corn in a can at the store. This is hard corn. I, I think they call it like field corn. It's dried out on the field and then harvested. And, and if you went to bite into it, it would break your tooth. It is very, very hard. And so they would take this. And, and one of my jobs when I was there was to cook the corn so that we could run it on the machines and make chips out of it. Uh, so if I was doing that and uh, there's a specific recipe and you had to follow it exactly, you couldn't vary off of this recipe at all. Uh, so we cooked it at 202 degrees, depending on which type of corn we were cooking. And it was about 14 minutes long that we would cook it. And so if I decided, OK, I'm just going to change it one degree. We'll make it 203. Not a big deal. Just a small matter here. I'm just going to do this. It won't make uh, a difference. It's just something small. I, I got it handled. I can take care of this. If I do that and they go to run that corn later on their machines, that one degree difference is going to make the corn mushy. And when you go to run chips uh, and the corn's mushy, it's going to stick to everything. And you're not going to have chips. You're just going to have flecks of uh, mushy dough everywhere. It, it, it makes it really nasty. It really does because uh, it's happened. And uh, not by me, though. And uh, so it makes a huge difference. You think one degree, you know, I mean, you're cooking in your uh, oven at home and you're you know, putting in temperatures or you're messing with the dial on the stove. You turn it up for a little bit and turn it down for a little bit. No big deal. But uh, for, for over there, for what we were doing there, that one degree made a huge difference. We need to make sure that even in these little things that we think, oh, it's just one degree, what difference could it make? Even in the little things, we don't know how big of an impact that is going to have later on. We need to make sure we go to God about the big things and the little things. Manoah goes to God here. He seeks God in this matter in his life. Uh, so what does Manoah actually ask God for? Uh, look at verse 12. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? Uh, so what I see here is Manoah is asking, How do I raise this kid? How do I be a parent to this kid? And, and I think, man, that is so practical. Uh, I, I don't know how many millions of times I've prayed that same prayer. Like, God, how do I be a parent? Uh, the whole time uh, Autumn was pregnant with, with Marshall, I'm like, man, I don't know about this. You know, I've never been a dad before. This is a big deal. And, and I prayed about it hundreds and hundreds of times, even now, uh, almost uh, probably weekly at least. I say, oh, well, how do I do this? You know, and I pray to God about, you know, being a good father and the right thing to do. That's what we see here. We see Manoah going and he's asking God, how do I raise this kid? Uh, this is. Obviously, a slightly different situation as most of us would have uh, raising children. Um, but really, uh, we see Samson here. He's obviously dedicated to God to do a specific thing. They knew about it ahead of time. But really, all children belong to God. God may let me be my children's father, but my children belong to God ultimately. 
Uh, just as much as Manoah needed to know what God wanted him to do to raise his child, I need to know what God wants me to do to raise my two kids as well. Uh, just imagine how better off this world would be, and imagine how better off the children in this world would be if every father had this prayer. If every father sought God's will for their child and said, how do I raise this kid? Uh, God, what do you want me to do? How should I handle this? And, and really, this can apply to any area of being a leader, not just parent, uh, being a parent of a child. It doesn't have to be just a father and a child. It could be uh, parents of grown children. If you have children that are already grown up, you are still an influence in their lives. As a child of my parents who's grown up, I still respect my parents. I still am influenced by what they do and what they think. I call my dad all the time and say, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, even if your children are grown, you still influence them. Uh, think of a uh, pastor in this church here. He's the leader of all of us, uh, of God's people here, and, and he has an important role in that position as well. Uh, we have, uh, you know, Steve picks out songs that we're all going to sing. He's in a position of leadership here. We have people that are in discipleship here that are uh, helping other people along in their Christian walk. We have people that are in, uh, involved in children's ministries, and you are influenced these children, not just here in this building, but also at Good News Club. You're in, in uh, influencing these children here. And, and those... Uh, People here that handle all the different events and, and the dinners and stuff. And, and even if you don't do any of that, which I hope you do some of it, uh, but if you don't, you still have co-workers you have influence over. And you have friends that you talk to, people you meet all the time. Uh, anyone you have influence over or leadership oh, uh, over them, uh, this includes you as well. Uh, it, it would be wise to continue to seek God's will on how to handle those situations. Uh, we need to take these areas more seriously and spend quality time in prayer over these areas and seek God's will uh, over these areas. If we do that, just imagine how much better and more aligned with God's will our life would be and all of those around us that we know would be as well. Now I want to take a little bit uh, a time and look at Samson's birth here. Uh, look at Judges chapter 13 verse 24. It says, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. Uh, we see here in these two verses, it gives us all the information we have about his time as a baby and as a young child. Just two verses, that's all we have. We see the birth and the childhood go by real quick in these two verses. Uh, I feel like when I read the Bible, sometimes I don't realize uh, the timeline of the Bible in, in the verses that I'm reading. It's easy to read through this and, and, and just see, oh, he's born, okay, and then and you just keep reading. And you don't really think about all these years that go by in just one of these verses. Uh, we see the birth and childhood go real, real quickly in just two verses. Uh, we, we, when we read this and we go right into chapter 14, it's easy to not really give much thought into Samson's uh, childhood at all. Uh, if you think about it, a lot of time and energy went into all of these years. His parents were raising him for all of those years, and, and they daily took care of him. And all of those things happened, and we see that in 
uh, just two verses there as it quickly goes by. Uh, we might be doing things now to prepare for what God's plan is to do through us later in life. Uh, that's what took place in those two verses. Uh, Samson was uh, being raised by his parents, and they were putting in time then so that God could use him later. Uh, even um, Tim Clink talked about in Sunday school about how God prepared him all along his life so that he could do what he's doing right now. And he needed all of those steps throughout his whole life to be able to do what he's doing now. Uh, just think of all of the years of preparing and getting ready Samson went through before God used him to defend Israel and before Samson ever defeated one Philistine. All of those years went by just right then. Uh, we must be willing to put the work in during these times. It might take weeks, it might take months, it might take years or even 20 or 40 years. Who knows how long? Uh, God's plan is perfect and his timing is perfect. We must make sure we keep doing what God uh, wants us to do. Keep doing uh, our work all along the way so God can bless us and God can move in us along the way. If we stay faithful, we will be able to be used by God when he's ready to use us. Now that's Samson's childhood there. That's all we know. That's, that's it. That's all of it. So now I just want to spend the last little bit of our time tonight looking at the Nazarite vow. Uh, so let's first look at Judges 13, verse 4 and 5 again. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And now look at verse 7. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Uh, so we see the, there the time frame of the vow for him. And then look at verse 14. Uh, she may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing that I commanded her, let her observe. So we all know that Samson was determined by God to be under this Nazarite vow from, uh, it says in the verse there, from the womb until death. Uh, but uh, we also need to realize his mother was under the Nazarite vow while she was pregnant with him as well. Uh, so I want to actually look at what is uh, the Nazarite vow. Let's take a closer look at the Nazarite vow. So if you would, turn to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. And all the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. 
All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother, or for his sister, when they die, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. Uh, so this, uh, most basically most of this passage, or this chapter, is about the Nazarite vow. Uh, the Nazarite vow is a separation, and specifically a separation for dedication to God. Uh, this is actually the actual definition of the word Nazarite. It means to separate, set apart, consecrate, and devote. Uh, the Nazarite vow contains three areas of separation. Uh, first, to abstain or separate yourself from anything from the vine. Now, that includes grapes, uh, juices, raisins, uh, liquors, and it says strong drink there as well, or anything made from the vine as well. So that would include jellies and jams and syrups. A lot of times in the Bible, uh, you'll see the word wine, and sometimes it actually stands for a uh, grape syrup. Uh, they used to use that to sweeten things. They kind of used it basically like honey. Um, it, it would include anything made with uh, anything from the vine. So that would even include eating uh, some uh, oatmeal raisin cookies, you know. So uh, you had to separate yourselves from anything from the vine. You couldn't eat or drink anything from the vine. That's the first area. The second is no razor can come upon your head. That's pretty self-explanatory. You cannot cut your hair during the time of the vow period. Uh, also, uh, you cannot touch a dead body, and there's no exceptions. It, it even goes as far as to say, uh, not even for your own parents or family members uh, can you break this vow. And it even talks about in there, if someone were to die unexpectedly next to you, what you're supposed to do in, in that situation as well. Uh, this is the Nazarite vow, and when the time frame is done, there is a sacrifice that needs to be made. If you look at verse 13 there, and this is the law of the Nazarite, when the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought unto the door of the tabernacle of congregation, and he shall offer his offering unto the Lord. And it goes in to tell you um, very detailed on what all has to be offered, which types of sacrifices and offerings uh, need to be made there in that passage. There's a very specific way of what to do at the end of the Nazarite vow period. Uh, this ch chapter also talks about the process of what to do when the vow is broken, either broken on purpose or broken on accident. If you break the vow, you would have to then shave your head at the breaking of the vow. You have to separate yourself for eight days. Uh, you would bring two turtle doves or two pigeons to the priest. Uh, one would be a sin offering and one would be a burnt offering. Uh, and that is done to make an atonement for the sin of breaking the vow. Uh, you would then bring a lamb of the first year for a trespass offering. And all of that has to be done if you break the vow. Uh, also, all of those days from when you started the vow to when you broke it, whether on accident or on purpose, 
don't count for anything. The Bible says that those days are lost. They don't count towards the vow you made uh, because you broke it. Uh, the Nazarite vow is also not mandatory or permanent. Uh, God purposely told Moses this law concerning the Nazarite vow. And in telling him this, God included the laws and the rules uh, for breaking the vow, but also for ending the vow. And we read that there, verses 13 and 14 in the following verses there. Uh, God would not have included a way to end the vow if he uh, meant it to be permanent or forever. Now, we know in the case of Samson, uh, God gave the time frame to Samson and said, from the womb until death. So when he died, the vow was then finished for him. Uh, but there was a uh, there is a time frame for this vow. It's not meant to be forever. Uh, and it's also never permanent or never mandatory. It was not commanded for anyone to make this vow. God doesn't say uh, for anyone to make this vow. Someone could do it back in the Old Testament to show dedication and separation to God, though. Uh, and, and so that is a little bit about the Nazarite vow. And we don't really need to make a Nazarite vow these days. First of all, we couldn't follow through on how to end the vow with all the sacrifices and all that kind of thing. Uh, you'd find yourself in a lot of trouble if you tried to do that. Uh, but we can just give God each day of our lives. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, see, we don't need to take this Nazarite vow because when we wake up, we can say a prayer in the morning. And we can give God the day. You can say, God, this is your day. You can do with it whatever you need. Lead my steps. Help me to do what I need to do and be what I need to be for you today. We can dedicate ourselves to God without making this type of vow. Uh, Samson's life was supposed to be dedicated to God. And as we know, he messes up along the way. And we are probably going to mess up too. Uh, we, when we do, we need to get on our knees. We need to rededicate ourselves back to God right away. Don't let a bunch of days slip by in between. Uh, get on your knees right away. Make it right with God right away and start living for God right away. Uh, so let's live every day for the Lord. Let's give every day to God. Uh, let's pray.